0: Chapter twenty two of Dawn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sunny Dawn by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter twenty two. How could you, Maisie? As Miss Dorothy herself had said, it could not, of course, continue. She came once and once again to see Keith and in spite of her efforts to make her position clear to him her secret still remained her own then on the third visit the dreaded disclosure came naturally in the simplest most unexpected way yet in a way that would most certainly have been the last choice of miss dorothy herself could she have had aught to say about it the two keith and dorothy had had a wonderful hour over a book that dorothy had brought to read they had been sitting on the porch, and Dorothy had risen to go, when there came a light tread on the front walk, and Maisie Sanborn tripped up the porch steps. "'Well, Dorothy Parkman, is this where you were?' she cried gaily. "'I was hunting all over the house for you half-hour ago.' "'Dorothy Parkman!' Keith was on his feet. His face had grown very white. Dorothy, too, her eyes on Keith's face, had grown very white. Yet she managed to give a light laugh, and her voice matched Maisie's own for gaiety. Were you? Well, I was right here. But I'm going now. You—but—Miss Stewart— Keith's colorless lips spoke the words just above his breath. Why, Keith Burton, what's the matter? laughed Maisie. You look as if you'd seen a ghost. I mean—oh! "'Forgive that word, Keith,' she broke off in light apology. "'I'm always forgetting and talking as if you could really see. "'But you looked so funny, "'and you brought out that Dorothy Parkman with such surprised air, "'just as if you didn't ever call her that in old school days. "'Keith Burton, oh, Dorothy told me you called her Miss Stewart a lot now, but—' "'Yes, I have called her Miss Stewart quite a lot lately,' interposed Keith. In a voice so quietly self-controlled that even dorothy herself was almost deceived but not quite dorothy saw the clenched muscles and white knuckles of his hands as he gripped the chair back before him and she knew too much to expect him to offer his hand in good-bye so she backed away and she still spoke lightly inconsequently though she knew her voice was shaking as she made her adieus. Well, good-bye. I must be going now, sure. I'll be over tomorrow, though, to finish the book. Good-bye. Good-bye, said Keith. And Dorothy wondered if Maisie noticed that he quite omitted a polite, Come again, and if Maisie saw that as he had said the terse good-bye, he put both hands suddenly and resolutely behind his back. Dorothy saw it, and at home, long hours later, she was still crying over it. She went early to the Burtons the next forenoon. I came to finish the book I was reading to Mr. Keith, she told Susan brightly as her ring was answered. I thought I'd come early before anybody else got here. She would have stepped in, but Susan's ample figure still barred the way. Well, now that's too bad, Susan's voice expressed genuine concern and personal disappointment. Ain't it a shame? keith said he wasn't feeling nohow well this morning and that he didn't want to see no one and under no circumstances not to let no one in to see him but maybe if i told him it was you no no don't do that cried the girl hurriedly i'll come again some other time on the street a minute later she whispered tremulously he did that on purpose of course he knew i would come this morning but he can't keep this up forever he'll have to see me sometime, and when he does oh if only mazie Sanborn hadn't blurted it out like that why didn't i tell him why didn't i tell him but i will tell him he can't keep this up forever when on the second and third and fourth morning however dorothy had found susan's figure barring the way and had received the same distress he says he won't see no one miss dorothy from Susan's plainly troubled lips. Dorothy began to think Keith did mean to keep it up forever. "'But what is it, Susan?' she faltered. "'Is he sick, really sick?' "'I don't know, Miss Dorothy,' frowned Susan, "'but I don't like the looks of it anyhow. He says he ain't sick, not physically sick, but He just don't want to talk and see folks and he's been like that most a week now and i'm free to confess i don't like it but what does he do all day asked the girl nothing that i can see susan said profoundly oh he plays that solitary and putters a little with some of his raised books but mostly he just sits and thinks and i don't like it if only his father were here but with him gone, peddling molasses, and no one loud into the house, there ain't nothing for him to do but think, and tain't right nor good for him. I've watched him, and I know. But he used to see people, Susan. I know. He saw everybody. Do you know why he won't now? Asked the girl a little faintly. I ain't the faintest inception of an idea. "'It came as sudden as that,' declared Susan, snapping her finger. "'Then he hasn't said anything special about not wanting to see me?' "'Why, no, he—' "'Do you mean—' "'Has he found out?' demanded Susan, interrupting herself excitedly. "'Yes, he found out last Monday afternoon. Maisie ran up on the porch and called me by name right out oh susan it was awful i shall never forget the look on that boy's face as long as i live land sakes monday breathed susan and tuesday he began refusing to see folks then of course that was it but why won't he see other folks they ain't anything to do with you i don't know unless he didn't want to tell you specially not to let me in and so he said not to let anybody in was he awful mad it wasn't so much anger as it was grief and hurt and oh i can't express what it was but i saw it and i never shall forget it you see to have it blurted out to him like that without any warning and of course he couldn't understand but didn't you explain things how twas in the first place she shook her head i couldn't not with maisie there I said I'd come next morning to to finish the book I thought he'd understand I was going to explain then he probably did and that's why he won't let me in he doesn't want any explanation sighed the girl tremulously well he ought to want em, asserted Susan with vigor. tain't fair nor right nor sensible for him to act like this making a mountain out of an anthill I declare Miss Dorothy he ought to be made to see you the girl flushed and drew back. Most certainly not, Susan. I'm not in the habit of making people see me when they don't wish to. Do you suppose I'm going to beg and tease? Please, won't you let me see you? Hardly. He need not worry. I shall not come again. Oh, Miss Dorothy, remonstrated Susan. Why, "'Of course I won't, Susan!' cried the girl. "'Do you suppose I'm going to keep him from seeing other people, "'just because he's afraid you'll have to let me in, too? "'Nonsense, Susan! Even you must admit I cannot allow that. "'You may tell Mr. Keith, please, that he may feel no further uneasiness. "'I shall not trouble him again.' "'Oh, Miss Dorothy!' begged Susan agitatedly once more but miss dorothy with all the hurt dignity of her eighteen years turned haughtily away leaving susan impotent and distressed looking after her two minutes later susan sought keith in the living-room her whole self spelt irate determination but keith could not see that keith listless and idle-handed sat in his favorite chair by the window dorothy parkman just rang the bell began susan and "'But I said I'd see no one,' interrupted Keith, instantly alert. "'That's what I told her, and she's gone.' "'Oh, all right,' Keith relaxed into his old listlessness. "'And she said to please tell you she'd trouble you no further, so you might let in the others now as soon as you please.' Keith sat erect in his chair with a jerk. "'What did she mean by that?' "'I guess you don't need me to tell you,' observed Susan grimly. With a shrug and an irritable gesture, Keith settled back in his chair. "'I don't care to discuss it, Susan. I don't wish to see anyone.' "'We'll let it go at that, if you please,' he said. "'But I don't please,' Susan was in the room now, close to Keith's chair. Her face was quivering with emotion. "'Keith, won't you listen to reason? It ain't like you might sit back like this and refuse to see a nice little body like Dorothy Parkman that's been so kind.' "'Susan!' Keith was sitting erect again. His face was white and carried a stern anguish that Susan had never seen before. "'I don't care to discuss Miss Parkman with you or with anybody else. Neither do I care to discuss the fact that I thoroughly understand. Of course that you or she or anybody else can fool me into believing anything you please, and I can't help myself.' "'No, no, Keith, don't take it like that. Please don't.' is there any other way i can take it do you think miss stewart could have made such a fool of me if i'd had eyes to see dorothy parkman but she was only trying to help you and- i don't want to be helped stormed the boy hotly did it ever occur to you susan that i might sometimes like to help somebody myself instead of this everlasting having somebody help me "'But you do help. You help me,' asserted Susan feverishly, working her nervous fingers together. "'And you'd help me more if you'd only let folks in to see you, and—' "'All right, all right,' interrupted Keith testily. "'Let them in. Let everybody in. I don't care. What's the difference? But please, please, Susan, stop making any more about it all now.' And Susan stopped. There were times when Susan knew enough to stop, and this was one of them but she took him at his word and when mrs mcguire came the next day with a letter from her john susan ushered her into the living room where keith was sitting alone and keith welcomed her with at least a good imitation of his old heartiness mrs mcguire said she had such a funny letter to read today; she knew he'd enjoy it and susan would too particularly the part that John had quoted from something that had been printed by the British soldiers in France and circulated among their comrades in the trenches and hospitals and everywhere. John had written it off on a separate piece of paper, and this was it. Don't worry. There's nothing to worry about. You have two alternatives. Either you're mobilized or you're not. If not, you have nothing to worry about. If you are mobilized, you have two alternatives. You are in camp. Or at the front. If you are in camp, you have nothing to worry about. If you are at the front, you have two alternatives. Either you are on the fighting line or in reserve. If in reserve, you have nothing to worry about. If you are on the fighting line, you have two alternatives. Either you fight or you don't. If you don't, you have nothing to worry about. If you do, you have two alternatives. Either you get hurt or you don't. If you don't, you have nothing to worry about if you are hurt, you have two alternatives. Either you are slightly hurt, or badly. If slightly, you have nothing to worry about. If badly, you have two alternatives. Either you recover, or you don't. If you recover, you have nothing to worry about. If you don't, you have followed my advice clear through. You have done with worry forever." Mrs. McGuire was in a gale of laughter by the time she had finished reading this. So, too, was Susan. Keith also was laughing, but his laughter did not have any of the really genuine ring to it, which fact did not escape Susan. "'Well, anyhow, he let Miss McGuire in, and that's something,' she muttered to herself as Mrs. McGuire took her departure. "'Besides, he talked to her real pleasant, and that's more.' As the days passed, others came also, and Keith talked with them. He even allowed Dorothy Parkman to be admitted one day. Dorothy had not come until long urging on the part of Susan and the assurance that Keith had said he would see her. Even then nothing would have persuaded her, she told Susan, except the great hope that she could say something in some way that would set her right in Keith's eyes. So with fear and trembling and with a painful embarrassment on her face, but with a great hope in her heart, she entered the room and came straight to Keith's side. For a moment the exultation of A fancied success sent a warm glow all through her, for Keith had greeted her pleasantly and even extended his hand, but almost at once the glow faded, and the great hope died in her heart, for she saw that even while she touched his hand he was yet miles away from her. He laughed and talked with her, oh, yes, but he laughed too much and talked too much. He gave her almost no chance to say anything herself and what he said was so inconsequential and so far removed from anything intimately concerning themselves that the girl found it utterly impossible to make the impassioned explanation which she had been saying over and over again all night to herself and from what she had hoped so much yet at the last just before she bade him good-bye she did manage to say something but in her disappointment and excitement and embarrassment her words were blurted out haltingly and ineffectually and they were not at all the ones she had practiced over and over to herself in the long night watches nor were they received as she had palpitatingly pictured that they would be with keith first stern and hurt and then just dear and forgiving and understanding keith was neither stern nor hurt he still laughed pleasantly and he tossed her whole labored explanation aside with a light certainly of course to be sure not at all you did quite right i assure you then he remarked that it was a warm day wasn't it and dorothy found herself hurrying down the burton front walk with burning cheeks and a chagrined helplessness that left her furious and with an ineffable cheap feeling yet not able to put her finger on any discourteous flaw in keith's punctilious politeness I wish I'd never said a word, not a word. She muttered hotly to herself as she hurried down the street. I wonder if he thinks I'll ever open my head to him about it again. Well, he needn't worry, but oh Keith, Keith, how could you? She choked brokenly, then abruptly she turned down the side street, lest Maisie Sanborn come toward her should she see the big tears that were rolling down her cheeks End of chapter twenty two Recording by Sunny